Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Tundel and today I want to share with you somebody who has 30 years of experience helping people to have life transformations. Megan O'Nan is an author, speaker and vulnerable storytelling expert who's helping people to speak their truth. Hi Megan, I'm so grateful to have you on the show and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Oh, bless you. I've been really looking forward to speaking with you because you've been on such an amazing journey and I'd love for the listeners to know kind of where it all began. So what was your life like before you became a vulnerable storytelling expert? Gosh, you know, <laughs> it's been a journey. I mean, we were talking before the show, right? And, yeah. I mean, it's been a journey for both of us, but I think when it comes to the storytelling space, it's something I, that I kind of stumbled upon. It wasn't something that I went into my professional journey really looking for. It kind of found me. And it began in 2004, actually, when I, when I came out of the closet. I was living in Mississippi at the time. I was a graduate student at Mississippi State University, which is in my hometown, and I was an athlete. I was a two-sport athlete at one of the biggest schools in wow. the country. And so there was a lot of pressure on me to be perfect in a lot of ways mm. and to perform academically, to perform as a person, to perform as an athlete. And so coming out was something that was unexpected for everyone. And it was also something that um, was really hard for my spiritual community to understand. So I was not received well by my, oh. my, by my spiritual community. My family had a really hard time with it. And, um, you know, it really took me into a very deep, dark place of just feeling very alone mm. and feeling very scared about my life and very unsure. And when I came out, something that really sticks out to me is um, being set down in the chapel by my uh, fellowship of Christian athletes, directors who were my friends and my spiritual mentors and them telling me, you know, you're, you're a sinner, you're a hypocrite, you're going to go to hell. And just this whole experience of completely not being seen, any, seen anymore for who I, I was as a person. It's like, all of a sudden I'm just gay and I'm not anything else. Uh, you know, I'm not Megan anymore. I'm not who I am as a person anymore. I'm just that. And then going home and sharing with my family and my brother basically saying, you should probably leave Mississippi because it'll be safer for you somewhere else. And wow. my older protective brother, you know, I understand that he really wanted me to be safe, but it was really mm -hmm. hard to hear. But it was the reality at the time is like, it's not safe to be in Mississippi and be gay and be out mm -hmm. and proud. It just, at the time, it just, it wasn't a reality. So I, I left Mississippi for about six years. I ended up in Florida and then I ended up in Colorado. And when I was in Colorado, I, uh, I was really searching for myself in a sense of self-worth mm -hmm. and looking for, you know, a way to be okay with who I was. And, um, throughout those six years, I, 
I was able to explore spirituality outside of Christianity because Christianity didn't always make sense to me. I grew up Catholic and the teachings were just very heavy for me and they didn't make sense. And I knew I wanted something more, but I didn't have access to anything more. And so leaving Mississippi really gave me the opportunity to explore. And I found um, some spiritual centers and communities that I really fit into and that really spoke to me and helped me discover what I really truly believe in. And then I was able to, you know, come out from the get-go and, and not create a persona beyond that, like mm-hmm. I had in Mississippi. And so it kind of gave me this freedom to explore and be myself. But there came a point after a really bad relationship and a really bad breakup that I was just feeling very desperate and very alone and very unsure again about my future and what it was going to look like. And I was in Colorado at the time. It's probably 2008, right before my first book was published, actually. And I remember going into the mountains and looking up at the universe, looking up into the sky and just screaming out loud with tears, just streaming down my face. I want to be loved the way that I love. Mm -hmm. And it was this deep calling, not for just like a partner in life, but it was a deep calling for myself to love myself. And that was a real turning point for me. It was, I mean, I met my wife that year. My first book was published that year. I quit my last nine to five job, eight to five job that year. And I started really moving towards what I wanted. And in 2010, I um, got to this place where I felt like I had done what I could do, not being in Mississippi anymore. And I got this really clear vision that I needed to go home to Mississippi. And at the time, I didn't know all of the reasons why this was 12 years ago. But looking back, I can see very clearly that it was for my own healing. I needed to Mm. go deeper into my fears. I needed to face the hard conversations. I needed to be able to be myself in this culture. And I knew that it was only going to take me to do that work. And so Claire, my wife, who had never, ever traveled to the South, (laughs) she grew up in Africa. She lived in California. Like this was culture shock. Oh my God. She came with me here. And over the course of the last 12 years, I've really shared my story and I've shared it from a place of complete vulnerability and just sharing from my heart and trying to create conversation around, you know, what it's like to be gay and my coming out story. And so I was like in the news, I was in the media, I was on the radio, I was on uh, TV, podcast, you name it. I was, I went back to Mississippi State on National Coming Out Day and told my coming out story that landed me on the front page of the paper, which led to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes director calling me to apologize for my experience. Like, oh, wow. Over the course of all of these years, I've try to gracefully build a bridge between um, people like me and people who don't understand me Mm. and people, people who don't understand people like me and storytelling and being vulnerable within my own story is the one thing that has consistently created wonderful connections and conversations and opportunities for bridges to be built. And so it really literally found me. It has been the one thing that has given me a chance to heal on the deepest level possible. So um, 
you know, I just ended up creating a career around it because I loved the power it had had in my own life. And it's why I do what I do now. Wow. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. What a journey you have been on. And I just want to say, I'm so proud of you for coming out because it takes real courage and vulnerability to just say, you know what, I've had enough of hiding who I am and this is who I am to the world. And you did that knowing that not everybody may like what you have to say. Um, And the fact that you even have to leave your own hometown because of their own prejudice, it's, it's, it's nuts when you think about it, like how... But I can understand back then why why your brother said what he said because it was in a way to protect you and make sure yeah. that you were safe. But that yeah. that I guess probably put a, made you kind of feel abandoned in a way in that kind of moment. Yeah, for sure. Especially then, you know, it's like I didn't, you know, as my as my big brother, you know, like I love him to death and I want his approval as much as I want my parents' approval. Mm. And so it was very hard to hear. But you know, since I've been back in Mississippi, that is one relationship that has blossomed. And has been just a very important part of why I'm here. Um, him, his wife, his kids, you know, they are a big part of our lives. And it's, it's, you know, it's been a long journey, but we have had hard conversations. We've gone through tough things together and we just keep moving forward. So it's been a journey. That's beautiful. And also I'm uh, just thinking about what you said as well, where, you were told that you know it was sin but when i when mm-hmm. i think of god universe higher power everybody is god's or universe's ch- children we're all mm-hmm. love yeah and i think sometimes with the religious kind of aspects they are so stuck in time that it doesn't explain what love is really right. um but I, I just understand like from just from my own experience because I, I grew up being sikh so there was a lot of rules and regulations mm-hmm. and and I ended up becoming more spiritual because I just felt like I didn't know who I was following that route. And it right. took me leaving my hometown as well, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Not for those reasons, but more because I just want, well, it's actually it was more to find myself. Um, I, I came to study a master's in London and I just, I never felt like I fitted in, in my hometown. I always felt like mm-hmm. I wanted something more. And I just, I always wanted to be around people that got me. And I felt like I didn't really... I wasn't heard or understood in, in the city that I grew up in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving away helped me to really discover who I was, what my voice was, what I wanted to be in this world and, and find people that got me. And I think, you know, I understand the bit where you say going back home, like now I understand when I go to visit family, I see things very differently. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I, I just feel like had we not gone on those journeys, we wouldn't be who we are right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, there was, I did an interview last week and someone asked me like, would you change the route you took? And I'm like, no, because Mm -hmm. it's, although it's been really hard and really painful, it's, it's been what I needed to get to this point in my life where I have this really strong foundation, you know, have strong relationships with my family, with my wife, with our daughter. And, you know, we've, we've just created a life here that has been very fulfilling for both of us, but it doesn't mean we haven't had challenges or fears or hard things happen, but we have a foundation that we can stand on that we both, you know, um, very much believe in. So it's been, um, you know, it has totally been worth it. It's beautiful. And I want to touch on about forgiveness. So I'm guessing during the whole journey, you have to learn forgiveness. Why is that so powerful? 
Good question. That's a, you know, it's kind of a two, two way approach for me because a lot of it has been about forgiving myself Mm. Um, for the moments when I haven't been courageous enough to be authentic. Mm. And, you know, like after, if you go back to 2004, I'll go back to the chapel when I was sitting with my spiritual mentors and the question they asked me after kind of lecturing me for 30 minutes was, are you still in a relationship with a woman after just telling me that if I was in a relationship with woman, I'd be going to hell. And in that moment, I lied to them and I said, no, I'm not. And I was, mm-hmm. but it was the lie that hurt me more than what they were saying to me. Wow. And wow. it was, you know, such a powerful contrast, you know, like all of those moments that I've lied over the years just to, you know, avoid being rejected or avoid the potential of being hurt. Um, those are the moments I've had to forgive myself for the most. And that's, what's been really hard because it is, it's been hard, but it's also been the one thing that has pushed me and motivated mm. me to be myself more. Mm. So that's, that's the part of self-forgiveness. That's been the hardest for me is just like choosing things that aren't, whether it be being upfront about who I am or choosing things that aren't authentic for me in, in my professional life, you know, the things that go against what my heart truly wants. Um, and then the other side of that is, you know, forgiving people who don't see me for me Hmm. and who aren't willing to understand me, who aren't willing to meet me in the middle. Um, and then this journey I've been on with my parents, it's been, it's been hard for us to get to where we are now. We've, we've had a lot of really hard conversations and tough moments. And, you know, there was a point where my mom said, Megan, you're going to have to accept me for who I am right now too. If you want me to accept who you are, you know? (laughs) So it, and it's true. It's like, it's just been this, this constant level of trust and forgiveness with other people that were important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, that have, that has just been really tough to deal with. There's, there's been a lot of tears, you know, and I don't know what else to say about it other than it's just a very two way approach and it, and it's constant work. It's never ending work. You know, like I'm always going to have to forgive myself for making choices that weren't the most authentic for me. And I'll always be forgiving others for not, you know, see me for who I truly am. And, and that's just the journey of life. I think what's your take on forgiveness? Oh, well, I was going to just, there's one thing I wanted to say actually before I was going to share. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was the thing where you said about in the chapel, I feel like that kind of forgiveness thing happened, you know, you felt hurt was because you lied to yourself, but I think it was more of a betrayal to the real you, you know, right, you were exactly. coming out to be true. Yeah. But here you are having to hide it again, because the other person on the, on the receiving end is not giving you that love that you deserved right and validation that you deserved um but yeah the same with me my gosh I've been on a journey of forgiveness since 2012 because I grew up in a very tough environment um I'm Indian um and as as a young girl you know there's all these kind of people pleasing patterns but again women Mm -hmm. in general have grown up with that um and I didn't know how to speak my truth growing up. So I just went along with what everybody else said. You know, I, I grew up, you know, you listen to your elders, uncles, you name it, strangers, but you don't, you, but you don't listen to yourself. 
because mm. I'd grown up betraying myself for so long. Um, and when I went on my journey in 2012, the first person that I had to forgive was myself, like yourself, like you said. Um, yeah. I remember looking in the mirror and just looking at myself and saying, I forgive you. And oh, I wow. just wept. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a gave me chills. <laughs> Oh, I just wept and wept. And I remember that was the first time I'd actually been really soft with myself because for so mm. years, so many years, I was so hard on myself. Yeah. Um, and I remember like my journey's quite strange. So like the whole the whole um so I was I was made redundant, as I was telling you earlier, then I had a cancer scare. Um and when I had the moment where they'd misdiagnosed sorry, misdiagnosed me, um, I went home and I like shared a story with my friend for the first time and I was very vulnerable. And I felt really scared what I'd shared. I thought, oh, they're going to share it with somebody. Um, mm. And then I wrote 30 pages of my life. I have no idea how I did it, honestly. Till this day, Megan, I have no clue. <laughs> wow. I wrote 30 pages in seven hours, saw all my patterns. And that's when I looked in the mirror and I wept and I said, I forgive you. And I just couldn't wow. stop crying. That's and I was amazing. Just, yeah, it was, it was intense. However, it was so powerful. I, like I look back and I think, gosh, that, that took guts to do. Guts, like you didn't have a clue what was going on in your life. And here you are looking at yourself in the mirror for the first time, learning to love and accept yourself that you've never been able to in your whole entire life. Mm. And it just led me on this journey of not just forgiving myself, forgiving others. I, I went on this journey of forgiving people that had hurt me in the past, who I had allowed to hurt me. Um, but the biggest relationship was the journey with myself, forgiveness. Yeah. Totally. And then, yeah, I think all of us have some form of, uh, hardship on us not hardship I don't know what the word is but like being hard on ourselves mm-hmm. um being this perfectionist being this perfect yeah. image to society when being vulnerable and you know being like like not perfect is is who you really are and yeah that's what makes us amazing is all those vulnerability and all those things that we don't think are perfect that make us exactly beautiful and I had to learn that. And yeah, like even forgiving people in my family, friends, strangers, that was so hard for me as well. Because again, I, I didn't know how to forgive because I used to just, you know, somebody would hurt me, I'd be like, oh, and hold on to that grudge for years. But that right. was a pattern that I had grew up with because that's what I saw mm. that was done in my family. Right. So that's all I knew. So as I went on that journey of forgiving myself and forgiving others, I realized that the moment I forgive myself, the easier it is to forgive others. But again, I'm not forgiving. The forgiveness isn't for them. It's for myself. Exactly. Yes. I'm glad you said that because, um, and thank you for sharing that with me. I, uh, I think what we all want is inner freedom. And a part of mm. feeling that inner freedom is realizing that the more you speak your truth and the more you are who you really are in the world and with your choices and your priorities and where you're putting your time and efforts and intentions, the less you need to forgive others because you don't care as much about (laughs) what everyone else is doing with their choices and, or how, you know, you can put your, if someone's not being fair to you, you, you have the confidence and the ability and the foresight to say, that's not okay with me. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can stop the interaction before it becomes something that you'll need to forgive. But, you know, I think as, as you, as you come into your own inner freedom, then the attachment to outcomes and the attachment to relationships and everything around you 
just doesn't have so much power over, over your thoughts and perceptions of the world, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think because we're so like, as from a young age, we're seeking validation from others. That's why it hurts so much when somebody doesn't accept us for who we are. Yeah. But like we said, like when you forgive yourself, then you don't really care what anyone else thinks. And you do, you realize as well that when people are saying mean things or they're trying to hurt you, it's actually never about you. It's about a reflection of you that reminds them of them. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's, you're not the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Are you, yeah. I mean, the question you have to ask yourself is like, are you being who you want to be, mm. you know? And if you are, then you can re- let the rest go. If you're not, then you have to look at yourself. Right. So mm. we're, I mean, there's always that challenge of having that ref- reflected back to us and, and, you know, that's never ending. There's always layers and layers and layers as we continue to live in, we're always learning new ways to love and to love in deeper ways and always being challenged in that area, but it is quite a journey. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I feel as well, like looking back at who I used to be, and I don't know if you see the same, but like when we didn't forgive others, the only person that was getting like the only person that was hurting was ourselves. Mm-hmm. The other person just moved on, didn't have a clue that they'd hurt hers, but yet we were carrying on with that grudge. Like, Oh, every time we'd see them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I I remember, you know, when I moved back and I started sharing my story too, like getting the director of the fellowship of Christian athletes to call and apologize to me. Like I wasn't seeking that out. I wasn't looking for an apology. I was just sharing my story. I was just Mm. being vulnerable and being honest. And it led to these conversations and these follow-ups. And um, as I went around, you know, doing keynote speeches and sharing my story on stages, uh, people would come up to me who were Christians and say, I'm so sorry for how you were treated. And it was always a shock to me every time it happened, because it's not what I was expecting. I just wanted to be myself and I just wanted to share from my heart. And I think that's, what's really powerful about vulnerable storytelling is that it creates these avenues for, you know, real connection and deep connection to actually happen. It's like, once you open the floodgates other people are going to enter and they're going to want to be a part of the conversation that you've started. And that's what I love about it is it just opens doors that otherwise wouldn't be opened without vulnerability. Oh, hundred percent. That's the reason why I created the podcast many years ago and why I had the radio show before as well, because I wanted people to learn that they could heal because I had done it, but I wanted them to hear from other people from all walks of life. So mm-hmm. if there was somebody going through a hard moment, they had something to listen to and they were like, actually, I can, I can heal. I can find mm-hmm. a solution. And again, it's that whole thing about vulnerability, you know, in journalism, you know, I was, I was a former journalist and we weren't taught that. <laughs> it was like, get a snippet for the radio, get a snippet for the TV. That's it. Right. There was, there was no intimate connections to get to know somebody. Mm. Whereas with the podcast, like, oh my God you know, the stories that I've heard over the years and, you know, my listeners have heard, wow. Oh, I bet. So rich and just so beautiful. And, you know, I think I've probably cried a few times on the podcast over the years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I don't know how you couldn't. Yeah. I know I would. (laughs) (laughs) But it just shows that anything is possible. Like, you know, we can heal anything. Absolutely. We we just need to, we need support, like you said, and vulnerability Mm -hmm. and, you know, hearing each other out. My God like yeah it's the only way forward honestly I truly believe that yeah 100% I agree with that and I think if that was like within the medical system everything 
people would be a lot happier and more connected with each other than before. Yeah. We just want to be seen, right? We want to be seen and heard. And it's true for everyone. Yeah. So I want to talk about the note from Desmond Tutu. Can you tell Uh us about what happened? (laughs) Well, I had done this talk, I think it was in 2017, and it made its way to him. And I got a personal email from him um, with the, with the quote, I think it was like, it was like basically blessing my work. And I was like, okay, this is one of my heroes. <laughs> this, this is like the, one of the few people that I just absolutely adore. And I cannot believe I just got that. So I don't know. I mean, there's not a lot to say about it. It was just one of those, one of those moments, like, wow, you know, he sees me and, mm. um, and it just, it was really nice to be seen by someone like him who just brings who who brought such joy to the world and who had this perception of you know connection and building bridges and unity but Mm -hmm. he did it with such joy you know and I really believe that's possible to um, be an advocate for social injustice and and retain your joy so he's just been a real role model for me in that area wow it just shows had you not done like had you not left Mississippi and just followed your journey you that would have never happened exactly just one one more choice you know one different choice yeah wow it's so powerful when you think about like the journey of how you it's led you up to where you are right now it's just so beautiful it's overwhelming really you know I I I have a three-year-old well she's three and a half and I just every day I just I I'm not exaggerating. I'm just so <laughs> grateful for my life and I'm grateful for her and my wife. And I just feel really lucky. Oh, you're a role model to, to speak her truth and to share and be vulnerable. And what a big gift that she has her, that you're her mom. You know, I have to tell you this story. The other night, I feel like she's making me grow up I'm helping her grow up because the other night I was tucking her in and I, I've kind of, I've been, I'm not stressed now, but at the time, this is last week, I was stressed because I was trying to figure out what to do about my upcoming book and, you know, wanted to give it more time. And I, Mm. I didn't want to turn it in when the deadline was approaching. And so I had to have this hard conversation with my editor and publisher around that, but it was really my daughter who pushed me to have that conversation, a three-year-old, of course. (laughs) So I was tucking her in and she, um, oh, we were cuddling because she likes to cuddle before she goes to bed. And Aww. I just was having one of those moments. Like I just love her so much. And it was just washing over me, the gratitude. And I said, Merritt, you're one of my, her name's Merritt. Merritt, you're one of my Aww. best friends. And she said, oh no, mama, I am my own best friend. <gasps> and I was like, so proud, a proud, proud moment. I was like, you're right, Merritt. You are your own best friend. And she said, she looked at me very concerned and she said, mama, are you your own best friend? And she oh. said, you need to be your own best friend. I was like, <laughs> fine, I'll talk to them. You're right. There's no need to be stressed. You know, oh, so uh, anyway, <laughs> she's such a great reminder because she's still in that, that innocent, those innocent yeah. years where everything is so pure. And she's reminding me of who God is to me and who mm. life is to me. And just, uh, it's such a treat. It really is. <laughs> that, that is the beauty of kids that actually they teach us more about life than we do. Like they're always guiding us to the right, like 
I've, I've always noticed that with young kids like they're always have the perfect thing to say in the right moment at the right time like I remember my you just reminded me my niece this was oh god this so this was before 2012 uh, must have been about 2011 I'd gone over to visit my cousin and they had um, a daughter and a young, young son she must have been like I think only four or five then mm-hmm. and I had bought her because her parents are both doctors so I bought her like a little surgeon like tool kit box and it had like a stethoscope uh-huh. so she put it on and she put the stethoscope on my heart and she says you need to love yourself auntie and I went what oh my god and I was like, <laughs> she goes you deserve all the love in the world and I was like, <laughs> I was like yes I do <laughs> jeez oh man just want to nurture all of that goodness you know and like <laughs> it's so wise like oh and, it's beautiful like I can even tell you another story that she like which is insane but like so her mum's sister was pregnant with a girl and she touched her belly and said, You've, you're pregnant with a girl. And then a few months later, she's like, no baby. She's like, what are you talking about? No baby. Unfortunately, she miscarried. Um, but then she had, she was pregnant a, a year and a half, I think a year and a half later, she touched her belly and said, you're having a boy. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She ended up having a boy. And I'm like, wow. This kid so is in touch. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are so in tune. They know more about life than we do. I feel absolutely. Yeah. If you ever need advice, just give me a call. I'll, I'll put her on the phone and you can talk to her. Great. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> oh, bless her. Oh, that's cute. Gosh. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Kids, the inner child because she's living her inner child right now. And I think that's a mm-hmm. reminder for all of us to trust our inner child. What does she need? What does she need to hear? What yeah. makes her feel safe? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and, and I have very much taken in this experience of being mom and, you know, I really merit was a dream of mine for a long time. And I, Aww didn't know how that was going to happen as a gay woman. Right. You know, like what is this going to look like? But I knew very much in my heart that she was going to be in my life. I just Mm. didn't know how or when. And so the, the journey of having her and being here now and experiencing her and soaking her up and, um, it has just been very healing for me in a lot of ways, because I feel like I've been able to get in touch like you said, with my inner child again and, and experience what it was like to be that age and, you know, evaluate my life. I don't know, just in a different way. It's just been a very healing process for me because it's, it's just, she's really reminding me more of who I am in a deeper, deeper way. Hmm. I feel as well, kids make like reminders that life is really not that serious. Like exactly. There is joy in everything that we do. That's joy in what the work that we do, who we connect with. It's just remembering that life doesn't need to be difficult as well. <laughs> Absolutely, totally. And you, you, you have a choice in every moment. You know the, mm. your perception, how you want to interact with others, uh, what choices you want to make. I mean, we have that power all the time. And I think often we think that, you know life is against us or things are happening to us, but it's just never the case. Like ha- life is happening for us and our hearts are getting what it always wants. It's just, are we ready to receive it and let it in? And, you know, she's very much brought that lesson home for me. It's just this experience of letting the love in and letting good things happen um, for myself and for my family and just really embracing that, even though sometimes it's hard to do. Mm. Oh, I feel like I need to meet her. 
<laughs> oh, she's already a wise soul already. Gosh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And can you tell us about your book, which, you know, I know it's it was supposed to be arriving soon. However, it's in January, um, Held and mm. Free. Yeah. So initially I was writing it as a memoir. Um, and this is my third book to be published. And um, but I wanted to do a deep dive into my story and really write it out completely. And so I've done that part, but we got to kind of the end of the revision process and it still wasn't, I wasn't in love with the book and mm. um, there's just something missing for me. And so I'm really in this process of rethinking, you know, do I want it to be a memoir or do I want to take these stories and make it into more of an inspirational self-help with all of these stories that have now been written. Um, so I'm kind of in that process of deciding how I want to mold it. I've got another three months to, to figure that out, which is great. And it's, <laughs> I'm very excited about having everything written, going through that really intense process and being feeling like I'm kind of at the beginning of the creation of what this book is going to be. And the, the title held and free is not going to change because mm. um, I think it's to me, held and free means, you know, the experience that we're all really searching for here on earth is feeling supported and loved and secure and also having the inner freedom and realizing that, it's our choice to live our lives how we want to. And so combining those two concepts is still going to be the theme of everything that's within the book and the stories and everything like that. But the, the way that I present it is probably going to shift, but it's going to be a beautiful book. I'm really excited about the possibilities for it. I can feel it. And I love the title because it means so much it, for people in different ways. So for me, held and free means like I'm finally being accepted for who I am. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I know somebody else will see it completely different, but that's kind of what I felt that's when I awesome. heard. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I thought when I heard the title. I'm Just glad be- you shared that with me. That's really nice to hear. Oh, <laughs> well, I can't wait to read it. I'm like, I'm sure it'll be completely different than what I'm feeling it like, what I thought it would be about. But I feel like it'll be very powerful either way because the title kind of grabbed me in. Yeah, that's make- great because it's really about my journey of self-acceptance. Mm. Really and truly of accepting, mm. you know, my spiritual self, my, my, you know, myself as a gay woman, myself as just being very different than anyone else here in Mississippi. And, you know, like it's, it's all about just loving myself really. Ooh, that is powerful. I think, you know, the answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I'm getting chills as you're saying that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's almost like for me, like just hearing what you're saying is like, it makes me think like being held and free is like, you're finally being held and free by Mississippi. Like mm-hmm. you're being accepted by them. That's kind of what I think when you're saying that. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I feel like that has shifted. Mm-hmm. And I get this question a lot, like what's your experience like now in Mississippi? And I've put myself out there so much. There's no question. No one has to wonder about who I am because they know who I am. Mm. And I've, I've, you know, built a platform for myself and I am not shy about sharing myself with others and what's going on with me, the tough things, the hard things, the fears, the great things, the, you know, the joyous things, 
I share it all. And so being in this small hometown of mine again, and people knowing exactly who I am and what I'm doing, it's created a level of self-acceptance for myself because I haven't been shy about that, but it's also created relationships with people who know right away who I am and they can choose to be in relationship with me or not. But I think overall, you know, I feel very enveloped by my community now. Um, but it's taking a lot, it's taken a lot of, it's taken this 12 years to get to this point of where I've had to heal and I've had to have more and more conversations to feel safer and safer and safer. Mm -hmm. And I won't say that, you know, I walk down the street holding my wife's hand Mm -hmm. all the time, but I definitely am more apt to grab her hand now than I would have been 12 years ago. Um, and that's just a simple example. Um, but it has definitely been a journey of, of creating like this sense of community. Again, my wife and I actually a year ago, a year and a half ago decided we wanted, because there's not really any churches or spiritual centers for us to attend that that are a good fit for us. And so we decided to do something once a month at our home where we would have people over, have a spiritual conversation and a potluck and community. And we've been doing that for, like I said, a year and a half now, and it has really shifted things for us in a very positive way. We love it. And we've built some really deep spiritual relationships with people. And there's just a really great community of people here. It's just, I think if you're not putting yourself out there and you're not sharing who you are, it's hard Mm -hmm. to find those people. And so I've learned that if I don't take that step and if I don't, you know, if I sit back and wait for things to come to me and people who are of like mind to come to me, it's not going to happen. Like I, I have to make the effort. I have to put myself out there. And I think that's what stops a lot of people is just being scared. And I totally get it. Like I really do. Um, but it has been the one thing that has really, you know, go back to the vulnerable storytelling. It's the one thing that has truly saved me, mm-hmm. even though it's been really hard to do. I agree. I agree. I think the same with myself, just, just thinking about it. Like, had I not started sharing my story back in 2012, I wouldn't be around all these amazing people that I am around now who get me, who understand me, who I can have these amazing deep conversations with. Um, because yeah, if I hadn't put my voice out, then how would I able to, to reach out to other people like-minded like me? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that is, that's the truth though, isn't it? That's how society should be. We should all be vulnerable and be able to wouldn't that be wonderful? I know. It'd have to be a lot easier. <laughs> Less trauma. <laughs> like, as a society, gosh, yeah. But it's strange because that's what life's about. Yet somehow society makes us think the opposite. It's very strange. It is very strange. It really is. And it's, it is mind boggling to me because although, you know, I've been thinking these last few days, I was at a funeral this past weekend oh. and I was with my my parents and we like to travel together and we have lots of fun. Anyway, we were, we were up talking one night in the hotel and my mom was talking about me and she said, you know, you've always really believed in yourself. You've always been so motivated and driven to go get what you want out of life. And it made me really think about that. And also like this whole other aspect of feeling like you deserve something and feeling like you're worthy of something. 
and how I've always believed in myself, but then there's been this other side of the coin where I haven't always felt worthy. And so I've really, it's been such a contrast, those two concepts, because they are very different. And I've never thought of them this way until I had had this conversation with my mom. And then I talked to my wife about it and I was like, okay, well, what is the thing or what are the things that make us feel unworthy? And for me, and I can only speak to my experience, it's been the church because you're taught yeah. that you're, a, you know, at least where I grew up in the Catholic church, you're a sinner. You're not worthy mm. of God's love. And then as a child, you're told that you're bad mm. and you're naughty. And, you know, you, all of these things are reflecting back to us what we should be. And so you have to spend your adulthood unlearning all of those things. And getting back to this place of like, this is who I am and I'm okay with that. And it's, and it's a hard journey because everything around us is, is, you know, these messages just dig deep within us. But I hope that this new generation um, will see things differently and experience different things and get different messages. I really do. Yeah. It's, I'm glad you shared that actually, because God, that just took me back to a time with, so I have so a lot of my family on my dad's side, they're like a lot older than me, my cousins. Um, so I'm in my mid thirties and a lot of them like mid forties or like early fifties. Um, and I remember one cousin of mine, God, maybe talking, maybe I think it was like 2019, they were visiting from, from Canada into the UK. And they said, they said something sim- like slightly different, but they were like, it fascinates me how you speak up for yourself. And I was like, what? Wow. What does that even mean? But then I realized because of the way I grew up and the way yeah. South, so I'm Indian, so South Asian women, like in the culture, they don't speak up. They don't speak their mm-hmm. truth. They people please. And here I am just boldly speaking my truth and not caring what anyone thinks. I think it like, med- I don't know what the word is, but like mesmerized him. Like, wow. Like, yeah, you're so outside their box. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like the same thing with me. Like I was thinking, really? Am I really like that? Like I had to think about it for a second. Thought, yeah. Wow. But he doesn't realize how how long it took me to get there yeah. and the hardships to get there because I was so afraid to speak my truth because you know I'd be deemed as bad and you know all these perceptions mm-hmm. of how I needed to be. But what I think is beautiful is that yourself and I, like we've been so courageous in speaking our truth that it inspires people around us without realizing that we're doing that. Yeah. And sometimes I'm really surprised by, or I say most of the time, I'm really surprised by it because, you know, I'm just doing what my heart wants to do, you Mm -hmm. know, and what I feel like is important to me. And I learn the most from hearing other people's stories. And I know the only way to teach or to help or to give back or to be of service is to just keep sharing stories um, because it's just such a powerful way in it. And it, like you said earlier, it really helps people know that they can do it. They know that yeah. someone else has done it and we all have the same stuff inside of us. So that means I can do it too. So, you know, it's just a, it's so important that we all share our stories and and partake and be a part of, you know, creating a society where we can all feel like we can be vulnerable with each other. Yeah, so true. Um, what are your five top tips for someone who's afraid to speak their truth and they don't really know where to start? Oh, that's such a good question. 
<laughs> I have to think about that for a second. Um, hmm. <laughs> Five top tips. I think one thing to do is surround yourself with people who are understand you um, and who are like-minded so that you can feel safe and secure in some way. So you don't always feel different or you don't always feel like you're not normal. Um, that's been a really important thing for me, even if it's like one really good friend or if it's a community of people, you know, just giving yourself that. I just think that's a really important a part of accepting who you are, surrounding yourself with people who are like you. Mm. Um, it makes being around people who are not like you so much easier when you have <laughs> a solid community, you know, it's like yeah. when you travel back home and you hear the things that you hear from your family members, you know, you're going to, you, you have that solid community around yourself. So it doesn't phase you as much. So I think that's a really important one. Um, the second one is, and I've found this to be very true after I've just written my, all of my stories down is like, write down all of your stories, mm. you know, write down your life story, speak your life story, tell your life story, go see a counselor, tell them your life story. I don't, you know, it's so important to tell your stories and to get to know yourself through those stories, because if you can't go back and look at them in the face, I think it's going to be, I think it's really hard to move forward and move outside of them and then create the life you want. So that would be my second one. Um, I'm doing some really big ones. Um, <laughs> <Are they> <laughs> <laughs> um, the third one is to follow your heart. Mm. And I know that sounds cliche and simple, but I feel like it is one of the things that has kept me moving forward. Like if something comes my way and I'm not excited about it, that's a very good cue that it's not for me. Mm. Um, and so I'm mainly speaking to my professional life because I've done so many things over the years that I wasn't excited about and they ended up not being fulfilling for me. And so a big part of wholeness for me is choosing things that absolutely I get excited about. So that would be number three. Um, Number four is find someone to talk to that you really trust when you're going through hard things mm -hmm. that can just see you and be with you and that you can be vulnerable with. Everybody needs that person. Um, and number four, I mean, number five, have a three-year-old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> no, I think number five really is... Um, <clears throat> Be willing to have hard conversations with people who have hurt you. Um, that has been very transformative for me and probably the scariest, scariest things I've ever done or to have some of the conversations I've had, but they've been the most trans transformative. Ooh. Wow. Those were powerful, very strong and very powerful ones. Um, thank you for sharing. I've just got two more questions. Okay. What are you most grateful for? My family, yeah. truly. I never, you know, when I first came out, I never imagined that I'd have this to have the life that I have. It just wasn't something that felt feasible. And so to get to be with my family, like I said earlier, to get to be with them every day and be grateful because it's just been such a journey. Wow. 
what shines your inner light? Oh, yeah. My daughter, she reflects that to me and my work in the world and my wife, my family. And we live on a beautiful seven acres. We have a lake. It's kind of like a park here. Wow. (laughs) We, this is like heaven. Mm. And so to be surrounded by beauty is another big one for me. Thank you. Thank you, Megan, for being on the show and just sharing your truth and being vulnerable and taking the courage and leap of faith to really follow who you are in this world. Oh, thank you for having me. And same to you, you know, like (laughs) we're on this journey (laughs) together. Thank you. Oh, bless you. What a great interview with Megan. It just shows that when we stand up for our truth and what we believe in, anything is possible and everything kind of works out even when it feels raw and hard and we're scared it always works out unfortunately that's the end of the show before i leave i want to leave you with this quote love should never mean having to live in fear that's a quote by darsheen stokes take care my sisters bye for more information about the show or how to trust your inner light visit my new coaching program at gerdshandel.com And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. Lit.